The following program is brought to you by the Preferred Home Team. Content is provided for general information only and should not be treated as a substitute for professional advice from your legal or real estate advisors. Welcome to the Real Estate Radio Hour, a forum of ideas, plans, and expert advice on all things real estate. Andy Prasky with Remax Advantage Plus was named Super Agent by Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. Chris Rooney of Remax Preferred is a Lakeshore and Luxury Home Specialist. Together, they cover the Twin Cities. This combined dynamic duo has sold over 2,000 homes, ranked in the top 1% nationwide, top 10 in the state of Minnesota, and still have time to get together every Saturday to talk about real estate. Here's Abby Prasky and Chris Rooney, Denny Law, and the Real Estate Radio Hour. Yes, indeed. We are back at it. Always welcoming your real estate questions by phone or by text. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Chris and Andy are in the studio. How was the week since we've uh, spoken last? Actually, it yeah, it was warm and nice. And, uh, you know, Denny, we were we were kind of making the, the comments earlier. We were worried about a little bit of slowdown here. Yeah. And I don't think that's the case. I think You're we wrong. just screwed up our schedules and everybody... Went on vacation early, and now they're coming back around. We uh, are starting to see more traffic again. We're starting to see offers coming in, and there's um, and, and and more listings finally uh, starting to hit the marketplace. We're uh, seeing more people that are finally ready, um, you know, for that spring market. So they're ready now to list yeah. for the spring market, which they've missed by months. But that's okay. You know, hey, we uh, we got a great market to to put your house up for sale in, and there's buyers usually as long as you price it right and you have it in the right condition and. I think that's that's the one constant there's been. I think we've we've gone through so many different cycles over the last ten fifteen years that uh, where we used to be able to predict everything and say, hey, this is what's going to happen. And you know, every time I go uh, in and meet with a, a seller, you know, they they always want to know, well, how much is it? What's it worth? And I always say, you know what? When are you going to list it? Number one, I can give you a price. What'll happen today? We just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, all indication is that it's. It's good, and we're still and we're moving forward, and mm-hmm. uh, you know. But the the constant is if if it's if it looks good, and it's priced accordingly. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think some people think, hey, there's nothing on the market. Let's just kind of push that price. Well, in some cases, that's true, but it's how much you push it. Right. You know, because then what people do is they look at it and they say, oh yeah, it's nice, but let's just wait till next week and see if there's something else that comes on. I don't know any consumer that is okay with getting ripped off, though. I mean, they they look at. The consumers now, Denny, in my opinion, and I mean the buyers, okay, let's say the buyers. Right, right. They have so many more resources than buyers did even three years ago, right? And so they have the resources. They know what things are worth. They can research within seconds what the tax value is, what the all the different online evaluations say. And then they what they'll do is they'll come to an open house to verify, you know, hey, what did I miss here? And so like I always tell my agents on my team is you better be able to answer all the questions Google cannot you know, like what, what is the, you know, the, uh, how was the basement finished? Was it finished to code? Was it, you know, things like that that can be helpful for that consumer that's, that's shopping. And so sometimes when you are pushing the market a little bit, there's a reason why. It's not just because you're being piggy. It might be because you can, you know, quantify that price, but you have to be able to explain it too. Back Good to point. your point about, uh, you know, people knowing a lot more now because of all these, you know, valuation websites and uh, all the information that's, you know, privy to them. I think what you have to do from a um, a standpoint from being a seller is that you got to be able to argue about that too because these mm-hmm. these clients know that you know and so 
Zillow. Let's go with Zillow. Yeah. So Zillow says, hey, it's worth 432000 but you're listing at 499 You know, they, they bring it up every time. Yeah. You hear it. And it's kind of like Zillow is, again, we know that there, there's some fluctuation in where that is. And it's not always right. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty good. But it also depends on when you last sold and what information they have. Because sometimes that information is wrong, and oh, yeah. and and maybe once the listing comes in, they kind of get that new information, but then that valuation takes a little while longer to be able to hit. Sure, exactly. You know, and if you're in a neighborhood that's more commodity, and I mean that you know in a good way, like maybe you have the same townhouse. There's three different styles, and it, it's easier for a comparison tool that's an online tool like that to actually make sense. Um, you know, and that's where the real estate agents I think come into play, and I think our job has changed too, Chris, where. We are a lot of times now getting way earlier in the process involved with the client because they want us to guide them on what improvements should be make, what it should be made, um, what's going to give us the best return on investment, um, you know, or what else should we add, you know, how do we maximize our dollars? So, you know, and, and, and I'm, it's not uncommon for me to meet with people. Like I just met with a guy this week in Blaine where we sat down and we made a list of the things that should be done to get to back to what I call good neighborhood condition, right? So you're comparable to all the other houses in the neighborhood. And he says, you know what? Let's rent the house out. I'll work on it over the next year, year and a half. And then let's put the market up. You know, the only thing that I can't tell him is what are rates going to be in the future and what is going to happen to the housing market. So, you know, good long-term strategy if, if things all stay the same, which I think, you know, yeah, we see good our, things coming. So, Yep, we're on our way. But I'll tell you, that is one thing. If you, Sellers, if you're, if you're thinking of selling, even if it's a, a year, two years down the line, get a realtor over there as quick as you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, truly, because – everyone thinks, oh, it has to be perfectly clean and, and ready for them. But it, it's not the case because there's so many times that we could come over and suggest certain things, you know, well, that 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 makes sense that then they might think that, geez, I got to do this, this and this. Sometimes you don't have to. Well, and, and the other thing I'd say to you is this, is that the real estate agent can guide you maybe to follow a little more of what's in, in fashion, right? So or in style. When I get the call, it says, oh, we've already redone the kitchen. We did new countertops. We did new appliances. And I get over there, and they've got white appliances, and they did a white countertop. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's 1990. And I'm waiting for them to tell me they're going to put fresh brass on everything. You know, and it's you kind of joke about you laughing about it. but hey, it's that's coming back a little. It, well, it, not in that fashion. But, I mean, you know, so, so what I'd say is before you spend or make that investment for another $30 an appliance, you can go with, you know, some of these new the charcoal colors. So if you don't necessarily like the stainless, maybe you go with the charcoal or some of these other cool colors, and then the countertops. You know, we have uh, interior decorating teams that stage houses for us. We will gladly pay for a consultation for you, or you can help us pay for it up front, and they'll hand you a to-do list. They'll hand you the, the color palettes. They'll work with you and guide you to, you know, get you the best return possible. I, we just had someone, it was last fall, that uh, maybe a little even before that, that's not mm-hmm. going to sell for four years but had us over because they kind of want to enjoy it too. I mm-hmm. mean, that's like with solid surface countertops, you know, mm-hmm. you can enjoy those for a while yourself rather than just put them in right at that time. They don't right. really, they don't, I wouldn't say they date unless you go crazy right. with the color, but um, it's kind of nice well, to be able how to many, How many graduations parties do you go to this time of year? Well, we're kind of wrapping that season up, but I mean, where the parents will say, gosh, I wish I would have did this 10 years ago. This is a gorgeous kitchen or boy, the backyard really turned out nice with what the landscapers did for us, you know? So it, um, you know, I think the the big thing there is is just you know be smart, take advantage of the resources that are at your uh, disposal for free, and uh, to make the right decisions for you guys. Texter just sent this, and guys, uh, do you have an opinion, pros and cons, of having a family cabin owned by an LLC limited partnership? Andy, what do you think? 
Well, I'm not a, an attorney, um, and I can't give tax advice. And so an LLC is designed to protect the individuals within an LLC. So I'm assuming that, you know, in the advantage, let, let's say that there's a bunch of kids and one of the brothers is the troublemaker. We've all got him or her, and, and they don't have the best of credit. Are you maybe. that person? No, not at all. Actually, I'm the, I'm the, yeah, the oldest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the one It's that your brother. Keeps, that's really bad. Yeah, it's the other brothers. Yeah, yeah it's mom thinks I'm perfect. Um, no, but the, the idea there is, is that you, you get that one person that gets into trouble, and then this is an LLC, so it's a little different. There might be a, a more of a shelter to protect the other members of the family. It might be a good strategy, you know, but then you're subjective to corporate and you're subjective to investment property uh, tax versus inheritance taxes or, you know. I think you just hit something upon death. I think uh, uh-huh. yeah, I think it would be smart to look into because that does uh, – it covers you a little differently on how it goes and – don't probate and all that. But well, you know what's nice too, Denny, about an LLC? You can actually buy your sister out. You can buy your brother out. It's it's shares that are distributed. It's easy. It's clean. You put an evaluation on the property. The shares are worth so many dollars, and that's what you know mm. your sister gets for her her if she doesn't want to be part of it. So there is a variable to that. There I, th- can I think be. I think it's not a bad thing, especially if you think that there's partners that will want to get out of the the relationship sooner than others, or you know maybe somebody's older, not healthy or whatever. And you, so you know that their family may not have the ability to support that partnership. Um, and you may have to have exit strategies. And I think that makes it easier to have an LLC for exits. And we, I've seen and been involved in a lot of that stuff. And uh, we, we just can't give legal advice, but I would certainly check out an LLC for a family cabin. All right. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to take a quick break. We have more show to come. If you have uh, any kind of a real estate question, phone it in or text it in. The phone number is 651 651- Nine eight nine nine two two six. Text is eight one eight zero seven. And good morning. Welcome back to the Real Estate Show here on CCO. If you have any kind of a real estate related question, six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Text is eight one eight zero seven. We have some of each, guys. Chris and Andy. And uh, should we get back to the questions? Yeah, let's do the phone. All right. Jeff in Plymouth has been waiting. Jeff, uh, we're all listening here. What's your question, please? Um, what are the advantages? Uh putting a house in a LLC. Um, I know uh, I, we have a we have a group home, and so it's, it's a business entity. And I was recently oh, getting some uh, full, some you know an umbrella of general liability um, policy, and they asked about putting it in LLC. I don't think it makes a difference. What's your what's your advice? Thanks, Jeff. We can't give legal advice, but. Um, I have my I have properties in an LLC, and I, I do mm-hmm. all of them in a separate LLC because – and I do it. <laughs> this is the way to say this. But I do it so it doesn't go off to any other property. So if we have a problem and something happens at that property, they can't go after all my stuff. It's just that one property that or that LLC who is the owner, mm-hmm. that's who they have to go after yep. instead. Yep. So, no, and I've even seen it where people to, LLC the, the building and the asset – and then they do a separate corporation, and then the corporation leases from the LLC so that the asset's completely separate from the companies. And there's lots of different, um, you know, yeah, MFK. I think anytime, MFK could probably help, though, yeah, you know, with Anytime a like you have that. investments or go into partnerships, mm-hmm. it's so smart to just sit down with an attorney. You know, it's just like uh, we've got a, a texter here, too, that said that a trust would be better than an LLC in that cabinet. And they're probably right, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's why you got to see what position uh, works for you best. Yep. So. We have a text that says, are the tile slash linoleum floors like the entire South Florida market? Uh, is that attractive in Minnesota? 
Well, the the vinyl slash you know tile. I think they're talking about the LTV. The you know that it's basically um, linoleum uh, tile, right? So it, it's put in the same way as the ceramic. It's a little warmer on the toes. Um, it, it's it's uh, something that where if you drop something on it, it doesn't immediately shatter because it has a little bit of give to it. But the idea there is is that um, I think that it's just it's a durable product. Um, when you do your whole main floor of your house with white LTV, I think you're asking for trouble. I think they get away with it in Florida because of the bugs, the humidity, and how things just wear out so ridiculously fast down there because of the weather. That up here, um, we like to keep our tile around our doors, and then we like carpet for our toes because a lot of people like to be in stockings and houses and whatever. So it's just, I, I don't know. I, yeah, and I think you know, I think people used to think of it as that that's cheap. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to be able to do that, but I, I just well, vinyl the house linoleum's for... different. I think. I think you know when it's sheet vinyl or sheet linoleum, that's a little different than the, the sure. uh, luxury vinyl tiles. Yeah. But on the other hand, you know the other one, Chris. I guess to not to keep talking, but the, they have wood looking tile now too. And Danny, a lot of our clients in their mud rooms are using this wood looking ceramic, so it looks like a wood floor, but it performs like a tile ah. floor, so it lasts for fifty years. That's smart, looking sharp, and and then people with bigger dogs. We're seeing that too, where they're carrying that right through their kitchen and dining rooms, and it looks fantastic. And it's you know, so it doesn't have the look of tile. It actually looks like wood until you go up to it and touch it. Um, but then you might want to wear slippers in your house versus you know stockings. We've been, we've been seeing a lot on the lake. I just listed one on Prior Lake for uh, 1.6 million that has that tile. Uh, you know, the luxury vinyl tile that's in the basement because it's durable. You come off the lake and it gets a little wet. You know, you don't have a problem with that. And sand, it's a lot more durable. And, uh, and and a little warmer. It's warmer than tile. I was going to say, could you not put in for heating as well? Well, you know, but here's the no? thing, guys. The, the, there's a fallacy there that the one tile is warmer than the other. It's not. It's it's how it reflects the heat out of it. The ceramic absorbs it. On my feet, it does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Um, but anyway, no, it's just it's a fallacy. So the, the, the vinyl gives you the illusion that it's warmer. It's actually the same temperature as the ceramic, but the ceramic will radiate the cold to you. So. Uh, texter says, we're looking at building... In Minnetonka, had the opportunity to build a 2,500-square-foot, four-bed, three-bath, two-story on a cul-de-sac for about 480K. The development is adjacent to Highway 7. In general, is the value there? Adjacent and backing up to it is two different things. Mm -hmm. Um, But that value seems really good. Uh, If it's in Minnetonka School District as well, um, I would build that all day long. You would. Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, I think I know the exact development they're looking at because we looked at it as a building company. And there's um, some really cool opportunities to get into a great area. Um, and, and, you know, here's the funny thing, Chris. You know, we've both had clients where, you know, we have the house that's on the busy road. And you think, oh, my gosh, this is going to be, her- you know, horrible to sell this. And all of a sudden you sell it right away. There's buyers for every property. And some people love that. They love to see the hustle and the bustle. They like to see commerce moving. They like, you know, and the next guy comes along and says, I want to be out on my right in the middle, surrounded by trees. I don't want to see anybody, hear anybody. So there's a buyer for everything. So I would say, you know, just um, statistically, the you're not going to get as much usually resale for a house that's on a busy, busy road. But just be careful and make sure you don't overspend for the neighborhood. Yeah, and being adjacent to a road, I mean, being adjacent to a, a, a busy road in Ortonville, is a lot different than being adjacent to a busy road in Minnetonka where mm-hmm. there's not much. And then you get 
uh, I mean, a brand new house in an area that is typically, you know, got older inventory. Mm-hmm. And at that price range, it's it's really hard. I mean, it's hard to get. Well, and I think house. that development, if I'm not missing, I don't mean to sound like a know it all, but I think that development is also right there on 494 and 7. So you can see almost from both locations. Mm-hmm. So you'll have road noise there, which isn't a problem. Just like in some of the nicest neighborhoods in, you know, Edina and, you know, and where they have the, the air traffic coming over top and people just get used to it. So it's not a big deal. Just. Yeah. Anyway. All right, let's take a break. We have another half hour of the show to go. If you have a, a real estate question, call it in or text it in. We still have, again, another half hour of the show to go. And welcome back to the Real Estate Show here on this Saturday morning. 79 is our uh, Twin City temperature reading. And Chris and Andy here in studio answering your real estate-related questions by phone or by text. 651-989-9226 if you want to call it in or if you want to send a text, 81807. Here is a text. I uh, had an interview. That's the one you want me to read? Yeah, Which I think one it's is? a four-part, yeah. had an interview with a very large real estate company, about an hour to be exact. They say they have the best training program that should give you an idea who it is. They offer new agent 60-40 split. Is that fair for a new agent? That's one question. Uh, what should be the biggest question I ask is another. The one I thought of is a, uh, a prospect. Where did it go? There it is, a prospect list. It doesn't exist. What others? I realize investment to get license is a little scary. I'm an, uh, an inside all who has worked. I'm not sure what that means. Inside 60, sales probably. Okay, or with the 60 to 70 hours a week my whole life, but things are changing at current employment. Okay. All right, a lot of questions. Yeah, you're not kidding. All right, let's first start uh, the investment. Mm-hmm. In, investment to get uh, licensed is probably around 1500 bucks mm-hmm. that you have to be able to do it. And then, obviously, you don't get paid for a while. So yeah. you've got to have some money kind of in the hopper in which to Well, to we, we always talk about this. The barrier to entry into real estate is really low. I think a lot of people will get into it just because of that. And it's let's just try it. Let's see what it's like. But it, it comes down to where basically once you get your license, you have to have your license with a broker the brokers generally want some kind of a return for their risk investment into you. Just by having a license, you're, you're a risk. And I think that there's... Because ultimately the broker is responsible. Yeah. So maybe that's a better way to start with this because some of you that have, have never, you know, maybe you're thinking about getting into real estate. This is, you know, you have brokers and the brokers are ultimately the ones that hold the license for all of the sales That's like agents. a Remax, Edina Realty, Keller Williams, Coldwell Banker. That's the broker. Yeah, exactly. Right? And then, you know, the uh, then you have the salespeople that are underneath or the, you know, we realtors, whatever. And so that are underneath that broker. So what, what the caller or the texter was asking is, you know, how, how they're trying to shop for a broker as a real estate agent getting into the business. And so they're asking us questions like, is a 40-60 split okay? And I think that's an interesting question because a lot of listeners probably don't recognize that when somebody's quoting you a real estate listing commission or they're getting paid, that a large percentage sometimes of that goes back to the broker that's teaching them how to you know do their job and has invested into them and they're just looking for a fair return. A 60-40 split, in my opinion, depending on what kind of education you're getting and what kind of experience you're getting, can be very fair. Um, I mean, you know, and a lot of big teams that have team splits, I mean, some of the ones with the biggest, you know, billboards and radio station ads and stuff like that, they're doing 70-30s where the agents are getting 30 and the broker keeps 70. You know, it's it's all a matter of how, you know, you want to structure yourself. Now, you go to an independent, um, there's some independent offices where you pay what they call rent. So you'd write out a check every month to have your license. You know, it's kind of like renting a chair as a salon person or whatever. Oh, yeah. And then you would have, you know, you pay rent and then whatever you charge the customer, you usually get to keep. And so, you know, it just depends on what you're comfortable with. If I was a new agent and I was interviewing different companies, I would try to get the 
the most, um, I don't know if training, mentoring um, mm-hmm. that you can possibly get. And then worry about the sales part later. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because you're not going to sell a whole bunch. It's not like you're making $500,000 and they're taking, you know, 300000 of it. It's no. not like that at the no. beginning. So you want to be able to get, you know, where, where they're helping you the most. What is, what is that? And 40%. Exactly. The 40% that they're keeping, what are you getting for that? I think is a legitimate question. Is it training every week? Is it, you know, monthly? But here's what I would also kind of add to that. The question was, what was the biggest question that I should ask? Okay. And one of the things that I think that I was as a new agent would ask is, can I ride along with other experienced agents when they're actually on listing presentations or working with buyers? Because nothing trains you better than having a real live customer in front of you that asks real questions and you're on the spot because all that you can do all the training in the world, but until you're working with a real customer, you haven't done nothing yet. So. I always laugh at that because I think that's what buyers find on the internet. They get all this information and then it's kind of like, oh, they come, okay, now now it's real life. Okay, this is what really happens. <laughs> you know, you have all this information and so, how some people interpret it, but in real life and how things work and how the market shifts. I mean, that, that's real life, and you have to experience it to be able to do it. So, mm-hmm. A texter wants to know, guys, are properties in the Buffalo area as expensive as the West Metro? Buffalo. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, not as, it's not as expensive. The further, further you go out, the better values that you're getting. Yeah. Um, but it, it's not – I wouldn't call it inexpensive either. It's not inexpensive because they have freeway access, you know, right through Monticello or right down 55. There's a couple different spots that they can come in with. So you also, though, Danny, here's what's interesting about Buffalo. You also have access to St. Cloud Market. So we have some people working in St. Cloud. You have some people working in the cities. It's actually a great between spot. Um, and then – the other thing that I would say to that is I, we actually have a couple of uh, great agents, Don, up that way that we just actually just coincidentally ran into him last night at dinner. But it's a fantastic agent in that area that knows the market. And I think there's more value there than like if you're looking at a Plymouth. But on the other hand, I think they do because of the retent, they, they actually have a, a complete town there. They actually have restaurants and everything that you need to survive within a town and not leave. So they are starting to, you know, create their own demand. And actually the values are, are fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a nice town, too. Very nice. Um, all right. I currently have a barn-looking shed, probably a kit from Menards 15 years ago. Is there any value, such as, will I get my money back when I sell nowadays, replacing that with a larger shed or even a second garage? Mm. And my answer is it depends, but it brings up a, a, it brings up a fabulous question from what we talked about at the very beginning mm-hmm. about getting us out there as soon as you possibly can or getting an agent out there because – uh, a second garage, Great, I get a great example of someone um, that was on the lake, and they had the opportunity because what don't you get on the lake? You don't get to store your toys, mm-hmm. okay, especially on a metro lake because the lots aren't big enough. But they were able to be able to put it in a garage, and it probably raised their value 200000 mm-hmm. you know, because it now it becomes an estate type thing, and people can put all their toys in it, you know. But now if it's uh, – if it's something in a you know in a starter neighborhood mm-hmm. and you put out an extra garage, it's nice and it'll help sell, but you're not going to get probably your, all your money back. I agree. I think there's a lot of the neighborhoods that were built back in the 70s that have the two-car garage and we all need more space. We've seen where people will put garage doors out the back. They'll do the lean-tos. They'll add that additional three, four, six, you know, whatever feet off the back of the garage too just to make a little shop. But when it comes down to a shed, there's a huge difference in construction between putting a shed there that sits on top of the dirt – and putting a garage in that requires foundations, you know, and, and footings and whatever that that would, you know, stabilize um, a garage and have a concrete floor. 
the investment's ridiculously different too. I mean, you go from you know spending five to twelve thousand dollars for a shed to probably twenty to thirty thousand for a garage. Yeah. Easy. And then when you're doing that, now you're like, hey, you know what? Since I'm doing that garage, why don't I put attic trusses and get some livable space up there? And then I can put an office out there. I mean, there's a lot well, of those now different you, now things. Well, now you're trenching out electric. Now you're now are you going to put a bathroom out there now? Are you going to heat it? Are you going to cool it? Yeah. Now you have to bring all utilities out there. Now you're talking you about a $100,000 garage. Because <laughs> it's warmer on my feet. Of course, of course you would. <laughs> 651-989-9226 is our phone number if you have a real estate question. Or send a text, 81 81- Eight zero seven. Remember that, Denny? He said, yeah. "I'm a fallacy because my feet were warmer on that tile." No, so I, well, that's just because your logo's in the tile, probably. You <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. All right. I'm sometimes well, I feel like I'm working with the odd couple. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Okay, I'm going to be getting forty five thousand dollars. I wonder what I should do with it. Where I should put it? I'm sixty eight years old. Mm. Hmm. I, I mean, at that point, I, I think I would uh, maybe in, invested in a, a, a safe. Uh, area. I mean, we're obviously we, we're not financial planners, but I, how about from a real I'm, estate perspective? I was just going to say because I was going to say I'm assuming they're calling a real estate show. They want to see like what do we want to invest into for real sure. estate? Um, Sixty-eight thousand was it? 45. Oh, 45. Yeah, so forty-five. You're not probably going to be you know, cashing something out. So now you're going to have some kind of a payment if you were buying an investment property. Um, so then you have to look at your debt service. You have to we, qualify. Yeah, yeah. And we look at things like cap rates. You know where it's the what is the return on investment after capitalization, expenses, whatever else? And so we can run those investment performance for you. We actually have some uh, formulas that we have that will plug that in there and say, you know, hey, 45000 down on a $200,000 property with a 5% you know, interest rate, the rent is eighteen fifty a month, you'll return 6%. And then you say, well, geez, I can get 6% on my mutual funds. You might just throw it into the mutual fund or something. Okay. You know what? Let's take a break, and we have more show to come, 651-989-9226. Or send a text, 81807. And good morning. Welcome back to our real estate show here on CCO. If you have that kind of a question, real estate related, 651-989-9226. Or send a text, 81807. I was going to say, we actually did have a topic today. Well, we we, we've well had so many calls them. and text just messages. Going yeah. That's right. All right. Helping folks out. Uh, Berman's calling from Hutch with a question. Berman, what is your question? Yes, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter is in the process of divorce, and her husband has filed a Chapter 13 bankruptcy. Um, now, I don't know how many late uh, payments on the mortgage before the bank forecloses on the, on the house, and I was wondering if I would pay off the mortgage, would I automatically get the title and deed to the, to the property? I'll tell you what, on Berman, on that, I would uh, I, I would just try to buy it from them and get them to sign off on that. Don't just pay off the mortgage. Have right. a contract and buy it from them because uh, you're. I mean, they're they're not divorced, right? So they both own it and they both have to sign off on it. And even if you if you um, you, it's got to be a formal agreement. Well, right, and I, and I wouldn't even be afraid to to call my buddy Jeff Sweefel and and talk to him at M and Z Law because. For you know the money that you invest into him, he can research and make sure that when you're buying that house as well, that the deed is clear title. and title and all the title is clear. The mortgages get paid off with all of their satisfaction requirements, and that you know it's because it's more complex. As soon as you start missing payments, um, or somebody's going to file for bankruptcy and they think they're protected, it doesn't stop the foreclosure necessarily. The foreclosure can still happen. What it does is protects him from the debt that they would be trying to collect 
um, as as far as a loss or whatever. So you got you have to be a little careful as how you orchestrate this. But I think you could do what they call a short sale, where you would make an offer. Um, you know, it maybe doesn't have to be short, but generally when they get behind on payments, there's crazy amounts it's of interest. It's not an arm's length, you know, it's not an arm's length uh, transaction. I mean, mm-hmm. if a, a dad is buying true. it out That's from true. his daughter, they might not do that. But, uh, you know, and when it comes to foreclosure process too, there'll be notices, you'll get mm-hmm. them. And if you don't get them and someone's trying to hide them, you'll see them in the paper. So right. your county, whatever, uh, I don't know which paper it is, but if you watch that, it'll state that it's in there and they have to post it for at five or six weeks. Yeah, they do. And so that'll get posted and you'll have that process. Then they have what they call a redemption period too. So Berman, you could go in there and they have to publish a number. Um, let's say, you know, the house is worth two hundred and she owes two hundred thousand on it, but they at the sheriff's sale they only bid one fifty. You for one fifty actually will own that deed. You can buy that and redeem it. But you gotta remember again, what my buddy uh, Jeff does for you is make sure that all the other incumbences that are on there, liens, judgments, tax liens, whatever can get cleared up too because the foreclosure will clean that stuff off of there, but it doesn't make it go away if you do the short sale or the redemption. Yep, okay. True. Okay. Got, got another a, one? We got a ton of text questions. Uh, we purchased a, a townhome in Detroit as a second home. It was just updated with white quartz counters. Those are beautiful, by the way. Uh, white appliances and maple wood floors. Would it be beneficial to white enamel the maple cabinets if we plan on selling the house in seven years? I've got a, a listing just like that in Lakeville that did that, and it mm-hmm. looks fantastic. Well, well, did they say what the cabinets were? What maple. species? Maple? Maple. Yeah, those are easily paintable. Sure. And they look really good. We've done it many times. Um, all right. Is a pool worth the money? Uh, that's another depends question, in, in my point. Uh, if it becomes part of the lifestyle of that house, yes. I think it, it's you'll never get the full value out of it. You just won't. But there is value given to it. The more people that it treated as a lifestyle and that can afford to run it, mm-hmm. it's when it goes on a smaller house and the people look at it as a detriment because it's like, hey, it's going to cost me three hundred more dollars a month in the summer. Well, that's what I say. When you when you put in a pool, you put yourself into a category where some people won't even look at you in the future. So you you're limiting your audience or you're enhancing your audience, like somebody that may just buy your house because of the amazing backyard and. Generally, though, it's not, and I, I'll be careful when I say this, it's usually not a dollar-for-dollar dollar return in any way, shape, nope. or form. Exactly. you got to enjoy it. But, but that's, what, that's right. you got to enjoy it. Enjoy it for 10 years. Is first. the market softening for existing homes in the Plymouth area? No. Um, I think uh, anytime you get a, a glut of homes in a certain mm-hmm. price range, you know, that, that happens. So some people, hey, want to sell, and they start dropping it. But right. that's price. Well, Chris, let me make a quick there. observation because I'm very familiar with Plymouth, and I have uh, several listings over there right now. In that area, some of the area pockets in the Twin Cities, Danny, will have within a mile of your house, you'll only have one to, let's say, up as many as 10 houses for sale. In Plymouth, where I have some new, new construction happening, there's 65 houses within one mile for sale. So there's a lot of new construction pressure on that marketplace. And so what's happening is the builders are competing amongst themselves to compete for that you know, limited audience that might be there. So the existing houses, actually, if you package it correctly, you have an opportunity there, I think, to shine amongst the new houses and offer a better value. And I think it's an easy market to sell in. There you go. But how many of those listings are to be built? I'll tell you, I see well, that all the time. In Lakeville, mm-hmm. that's a big one. You know, you're competing. You have an existing house, and it says there's 37 of them. Well, but, there's only... 18 that you can actually go look at. I was at. just going to say, let's, so let's even say half of those houses are to be built. You still have 30 competitors in one mile area. It's still pretty yep. heavy. Yep. Okay. Is it wise for a 27 year old female to purchase a home rather than rent? Absolutely. Yeah. And she's going to probably have a better payment if she's got the down payment. But I'll tell you what, there's so many programs out there now um, that you can do. Uh, you can get in 
real inexpensive, depending on income levels. Well, and there was a, we just read some scary stats on that too about how many people actually don't save for retirement, and that some people that their biggest you know asset that they actually will have is their home because they they're forced to pay it every month, and in thirty years now you own an asset that's worth hundreds of thousands, whatever, and uh, and and you know so at least you have something in your future, you know. Yep, yeah, I totally. Believe in it. Plus the tax B rates. Built a house in Lionel Lakes in 1993. It's a great neighborhood worth about 450000 but needs upgrades before selling. Oak everywhere and shiny brass fixtures. Same countertops. Wallpaper is gone already. What would be the best bang for the buck? That kitchen is your best bang for the buck. For sure. In that, in that level. And I'll tell you what, don't forget about a backsplash. Mm-hmm. That totally brings you right into the latest, greatest. And so even if you don't have a backsplash and maybe you remodeled five years ago, uh-huh. you put that new backsplash in, I'm telling you. Oh, it's re- in the little kitchen. flooring, you can have some fun with the floors, paint the cabinets, get some. Because oak is, it's a tough sale. I mean, unless, and it's very rarely that I can see it where it's decorated, where people don't come in and actually say, oh, they have oak. It's It's been um, locked into the 90s and people, it brings Makes them think that this is a 1990s built house versus a house that's been well taken care of. So, if there's a way to mask with great countertops, backsplashes, new, you know, whatever appliances, um, flooring, um, and, and yeah. enamel those cabinets too. I'm telling you, and that's the other thing is go. when you go into a bathroom and you don't want to redo the whole bathroom, mm-hmm. just enamel that vanity. And I mean, it, it completely changes the whole look of that. And and you got to get rid of the the brass. That's a big thing. Agreed. So. Okay, we have a 1978 split-level house that needs upgrades, especially the kitchen. Is it best to sell as-is or invest in upgrading, paint, new carpet, and so on? It does have upgraded bathrooms, newer siding, and roof. I think you're in a perfect opportunity. My opinion is is that you do want to upgrade that other stuff mm-hmm. because you just took away the most expensive things out there that people have to do. I mean, you can you don't have to go crazy and get new cabinets and all that, but just modify uh, what you have and getting countertops and, like I said, a backsplash on it, um, you, you've already done the, the good stuff. And so now stuff, you can yeah. maximize your price. Yep. We've got about a minute to go here. Okay. Uh, we're not going to get to this one. You mentioned uh, uh, programs for young buyers. Can you elaborate? Uh, there's a lot of programs through the Minnesota Housing that mm-hmm. offer down payment assistance. Mm-hmm. Um, there's rural uh the USDA yep. loans that you can get in for zero down. Yep. Teachers, police, uh, yeah. there's lots of programs. So what I would recommend is depending on the area that you're looking, if you have a local agent, we actually have a new software package that actually will allow us to look at what is available for the areas that you're looking. And uh, a local real estate agent can gladly give you a list of the eligible programs that are out there and see if you are eligible. Um, Cause some of them have rules. They, I call them, they have windows. You have to have right. income windows. They have sometimes, you know, uh, like, yeah. But I'll tell you what you talk to you talk to a lender. Sorry, Denny. You talk to a lender. Um, you know they'll they'll be able to identify those programs. All right, we'll be back here next week. Right? How do we get in touch with you guys real fast? Seven six three four three three zero eight five zero. Chris Rooney dot com or Prasky dot com.